This is the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan. Excited to be back with Brandon Piller for today's show. We're going to recap last night's overtime loss in La Belle Provence. Look forward to Saturday's matinee against Columbus. And should we start to worry about Colin White? All that and the Belleville Senators will be back on home ice Friday against the Rockford Icehogs. Six full days since their 7-1 beatdown of the Cleveland Monsters. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is December 12th and Pilsy, the Brady Kachuk friendship tour has officially landed in Montreal. Yeah, it certainly has. And Brady Kachuk, he just he just loves spreading his friendship everywhere he goes to every single NHL team city. I mean, we saw him making best buds with Scott Lawton in Philly. We all know what happened there. And then in Montreal, he keeps things going. But this time, it was something that happened off the ice that really sparked controversy. After the game, it was Caden Primo's first ever NHL win. So naturally, you want to get him the puck. Brady decides to scoop the puck up. And Carey Price, after the game, he said uh, he was watching Kachuk the whole time and then saw saw him scoop the puck up and then uh, obviously wanted to get it from him to give it to his uh, goalie partner. And then Brendan Gallagher was asked the same question about what he thought about uh, Brady Kachuk. And he said, yeah, of course he was trying to steal the puck. And then you get to hear Brady's side of the story, too. He says, honestly, I didn't even realize it was his first win puck. I know Primo. I played with him at the U18 World, and we won a gold medal together. I know him pretty well. Honestly, I didn't even think anything of it. I was just going to give the puck to a kid in the stands. So Puckgate is what uh, what we're dealing with now. Ross, whose side of the story are you on here? Well, obviously I'm on Brady's, but he's not going to give away his secrets if he was, in fact, stealing the puck, which... Let's be honest, we all know he was. But what I like even more than that is his battling. He was in in it with Shea Weber all evening long and a couple two-on-ones. We know he's known for his play in front of the net, but when he's creating playoff transitions, that's when he's at his best. Eight shots on goal again last night. He was a pest. He was everything you want in Brady Kachuk in a rivalry game. Games like this just make me itch to see him in the postseason if and when that does happen. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. He just filled the stat sheet in this game against Montreal. He had a goal, an assist, eight shots on goal, which is just ridiculous, five hits, and a block shot. So all around a good game for Brady, and uh, even was mixing it up a little bit with the Montreal Canadiens captain, Shea Weber, eh? Yeah, absolutely. They had that wrestling match behind the net, resulted in two minutes each, no harm, no foul. It was kind of a play at the side of the net where you're battling for a puck, so Brady kind of goes in and and tries to get body positioning on Weber and um, knocked him into Primo. Not worth a penalty there, but it's not like Shea Weber's going to allow his 20-year-old goalie to get run or feel like he's not safe at all times, so he... Had a little wrestling match. I think the refs got in there a little early. Brady might say otherwise with Weber being the more grizzled veteran and still one of the toughest guys in the National Hockey League. But that I think Brady got a shot on there. As we mentioned, one of his eight shots. Second time in his last five games that he's put up an eight-shot performance. Let that sink in. And that's not even the shot attempts because he puts everything at the net. And if that's not impressive enough, in his last six games, he's got more hits than he does... Or sorry, not even six games. Last eleven games, 
He has more hits than he does shots. That takes a lot when you look at his nine shot high during that stretch as well. So he just he's a menace to play against. He's great to have on your team. And anyone who doesn't like him, all you Habs fans out there, well, you're going to have to deal with him for a long time. And I don't think Sens fans are too worried about Jesperi Kotkaniemi maybe making a good vision play along the half wall. When you have Brady Kachuk, we're not even talking about his hockey IQ. We're talking about how his physical ability is better than Kotkaniemi, his shooting ability, his playmaking ability. He's just a guy you want to have on your team, and it's uh, one of the best days in Sens history. I'll steal that from Pierre Dorian when he took Brady Kachuk fourth overall. Yeah, and Ross, you mentioned uh, the shots and the hits, and I was looking at NHL stats today and just looking at uh, league leaders in those two categories, and you don't have to scroll very far down the list to find Brady on both of those categories. He's tied for fifth in the league in shots on goal with Brendan Gallagher. They both got 122 shots, and the guys ahead of him, these are potential Hall of Famers. I mean, you're talking about exceptional players here with Ovechkin, McKinnon, Pasternak and then Pacioretty those are the guys that uh, lead the league in shots and then in hits he's fourth in the league with 122 hits so he has the same amount of hits and shots this season which is just crazy too and ahead of him are your usual suspects I mean you've got Ryan Reeves you've got Boro Kopp out there he's the Wayne Gretzky of hitting of course he's in the top two and then Tom Wilson so for a 20-year-old kid to be producing that many shots and that many hits at the highest level is just amazing. So we have to ask the question then, if he's tied in both categories at 32 games played, what's he going to finish with, more hits or shots? Well, I'm going to take last night as, as an example, and any game where you get eight shots is just incredible. And I think that at the end of the season, he's going to have more shots than hits for a couple of reasons. And... I would say, especially watching that game against the Habs, he was just getting everything on net. I mean, he had a couple uh, two-on-one chances where instead of trying to make that forceful pass across the crease and beat the defenseman with a saucer pass, he just put the puck right on net, and that led to two goals. I mean, his first goal where he beat Primu, he slid it under his legs on the rebound. He was in his in his office right in the uh, slot. And then the second goal, he just got a shot on net and Connor Brown buried the rebound. And it's things like that, just those quick, simple plays that allows him to get shots on net at an exceptional pace, one of the best in the league. And then as far as the hits go, I think his hits might slowly decline as you see uh, the season go on. Just I, I would say through wear and tear of a season, you're going to probably start throwing the body a little bit less. And then his shots, I think, will actually keep going up as the season goes, especially once the trade deadline hits. And you've got some of the other veteran forwards who are usually putting up points like uh, Ennis and other players like that who are on expiring deals that will likely be moved at the deadline. He's going to have to step up offensively when those guys leave, but he can probably leave the hits to uh, Borokop, the Wayne Gretzky of hitting, so that, uh, that'll slow down the pace there. You can head to our Twitter account, at Central and have your say. We just tweeted out the two categories. Which one will he finish the season with more? Look forward to Sunday morning show when we recap the weekend and we'll get into some of the replies on why. And uh, I'm actually curious of what you guys think. So let us know there at Sens Central. His line mate from last year, Colin White, hasn't had the same sort of impact there um, through the first part of the season. 
just stuck at two goals through 25 games. You can tell he's gripping the stick really tight. Still getting some shots. He's got 35 on the season, but he hasn't even been able to stick at center. He's been on the wing, and the ice time's fallen to about 15 and a half minutes. So when are we supposed to start worrying about him? Is there any chance he goes to Belleville, or are we just committed here? He's already signed his ticket. Doesn't need waivers, but... You're going to see him through it at the NHL level. What do you think here, Pillar? Yeah, and just a tough scenario with Colin White. I mean, we were so excited when he signed that big deal, uh, over $4.5 million, uh, for a long term. And then that kind of trickled into Shabbat's extension, and it seemed like the Senators organization is really starting to nail down some of their franchise guys, especially uh, Colin White, arguably their best center prospect, in the ranks right now and to see him struggling like he has is really disappointing and you mentioned it he just two goals and five assists this season and it's not like he hasn't been getting the chances I mean he played I think over three minutes on the power play last night three minutes and 17 seconds on the power play uh, about 16 minutes total time on ice so he's getting the opportunities he's just not able to cash in on them and I don't know I don't know about you Ross but at sometimes I I it seems like Colin White's just invisible out there. Yeah, he he hasn't had the same sort of, I don't know if pestiness is the same, but his like ability to jump on guys on the forecheck, that's what I really liked about him last year. He created some separation uh, on the forecheck, and he hasn't had that same um, kind of pizzazz to his game. I don't know if he's 100% healthy. That could be something, but... If you get you have 40 games here where he doesn't need waivers, I don't think it's the worst thing if he plays another full weekend. He had the one conditioning game. You got to remember that too as well. He missed some yeah. time there with injury. That kind of can slow some guys down, especially missing um, you know the, the part of, of uh, the season where guys are really kind of revving up the engines to to get to midseason and, and later on form. Yeah, and I think with Colin White, uh, the important thing that really connects to Colin White is what are the Sens going to do with J.G. Pajot? I mean, you've got a guy who is pretty much in Pajot. He's been a third-line center most of his career, but we talked about him being able to move up into the lineup, being able to play second-line center, and even first-line center if need be. Uh, Mind you, I don't think that's the best place for him, and I don't think that's really where the Sens want to have him slotted in as a first center. For sure, they want either Logan Brown, Colin White, or an upcoming prospect to take that position later on. But with Colin Colin White struggling so much, and he's signed for such a long term, I think at this point you kind of have to pay Pajot and keep him because you need to give Colin White that cushion to develop and that time to develop and have a guy who you can rely on to fill those heavy minutes while Colin White is still learning. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Pajot, whether whether he wants too much money because he's having a career season and the Sens just can't keep him, or they just get offered a ludicrous amount. I mean, we've heard talks of a first-round pick plus being mixed around and in the Twitter universe. So if... If the Sens can't keep him and there's too good of a price tag, they might have to move him. But I'm still on the team of keep Pajot and extend him. By keeping Pajot, are you saying that Colin White should be winger full-time? Well, that gives you that option, right? I'm not saying that uh, necessarily that should be the immediate move. But at least that gives you that option to move him to the wing. Because 
let's be honest, Colin White pretty much signed a second center kind of deal uh, with the money and term that he signed for. And it doesn't look like he can play that at all. I mean, at best, he's playing at a third centerman level. Uh, like you said, they're trying him out on the wing a lot more often now, which I would say is a disappointment if Colin White doesn't end up being at least a centerman on one of your top three lines and ends up being a winger. If he can be successful there, that's great. But the whole goal for him was to be one of your franchise centermen moving forward. Yeah, I actually don't mind him on the right wing outside of the fact that you use a first-round pick, 21st overall on it. You'd kind of like him to to pan out down the middle. But with the Sens as thin as they are at right wing, it's probably the the position in the organization outside of center, outside of center maybe that they don't have the most like depth. And maybe they do have middle-tier depth. It's more at center they need a top-end guy. I don't think Colin White's ever going to be that guy. But at the wing, it's just overall depth at the right side is pretty thin, um, especially with the decline of, of Bobby Ryan. They need another guy. Uh, Connor Brown's done well snake bitten but it was nice to see him get on the score sheet last night hopefully with two goals now in his last four games Connor Brown can keep things rolling on uh going forward but I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if um if Colin White ends up at, at the wing but I'm with you. you want him to pan out at the center position next up Columbus another team sends will have a keen eye on over the next couple seasons with a pair of second round picks crazy to think that because Anthony Duclair for Ryan Dezingle, you already think that's a one trade looking back hindsight 2020 for the Senators, but they haven't used either of their second round picks. Um, Columbus with one more point than Ottawa, one last game played. So um, what's your outlook on this uh, this upcoming game? It was a tough one to watch the last time these two guys played, two teams rather. Yeah, Ross. And la- last time uh, the Sens played, that was uh, when they played the Blue Jackets. That is, that was just an absolute snooze fest, a one nothing loss for the Sens. And you mentioned last time that you considered that to be a must win game, just with the the fact that the Sens hold two of Columbus's draft picks. I mean, it's a must win game to knock uh, to improve the second round pick that they have of Columbus this season. And I mean. This is a team that you should be able to beat if you're the Ottawa Senators. They've been hanging in tough with a lot of the good teams. Uh, Philly, uh, Boston, they beat 5-2. And they've been close in all the games against Boston, I would say. And then um, in Montreal, you send them to overtime. And they beat them earlier in overtime. So they can hang with good teams. And they should be able to beat mediocre teams. And speaking of mediocrity in Columbus, you're <laughs> the guy who's leading your team in points was a free agent acquisition in Gustav Nyquist. So that's not a good sign when a guy you had to bring in basically out of necessity and to, and you had the money to spend on him is leading your entire team in points. So that doesn't look good for the Blue Jackets. A guy I was really excited about was um, not only Alexander Texier, but Emil Benstrom. And neither rookie has lived up to, to what they thought they'd be. They were kind of untouchables in either trade. And, I mean, you look back now and... Uh, even Vitaly Abramov and Jonathan Davison, to a lesser extent, um, would be preferables to these guys. Neither of them has double digits in points. Benstrom with only three goals in 28 games. And then another disappointment is Pierre-Luc Dubois. He established himself, people thought, as a number one center. 
in the NHL, maybe a 1B. I know they had to go out and get Duchesne at the deadline, but he's only 20 years old, 21 years old. So when Duchesne left, you figure he naturally slides up and continues his development after an outstanding campaign last year. But he's stuck at 18 points in 30 games. And uh, minus nine doesn't look great there either. And that's after 61 points last year. So he's only on pace for... 40 that would be the least in his three-year career so um kind of a stalled development if you're Pierre-Luc Dubois and not very much depth and with how much they gave up to make their run and hey give them credit they swept round one nobody thought they would maybe the biggest upset in NHL history against the Tampa Bay Lightning but you get that one sweep maybe that's worth it but they're going to be in tough for the next couple seasons yeah, I, I wouldn't say. Well, I mean, it's their first ever playoff win. So, you know what? It's a building block or playoff series win, I should say. So, it's a building block for that franchise. But I want to say I want to say it was their first playoff win. I think they were swept in their only other opportunity. I could be wrong with that, though. And Parley mentioned it uh, in last episode. All they have to show for those pit, for the trades that they made with the Senators left, seventh round pick. Whereas the list that the Senators, the haul that the Senators have from that uh, trades with Columbus for Duchesne and Dezingle is the list goes on and on and on. So really, Dorian did a good job uh, acquiring assets there. And you were looking at some of the players and their stats for Columbus. Right now, Pierre-Luc Dubois, he's the only guy who even has double digits and goals, and he's only got 10. So that's that's not looking good for Columbus. And it's surprising that they're not scoring or don't have a, uh, players with a lot of goals because like the Habs, this is a team that takes a lot of shots on net. They average 33.8 shots per game. And for how many shots they take, it doesn't seem like they miss a lot. According to NHL stats, they're 27th in the league in missed shots. So they don't miss too many uh, shot opportunities when they get them. But they don't really have any game changers that when they do get those shots on net, that they're going to make you pay for it unless you're really worried about Gustav Nyquist. Well, I guess I was also living in 2013 because they did get swept in their first ever playoff series in 09 to Detroit, but they've won four playoff games going into last season in three playoff matchups. So never out of the first round. You were right there. They had won a game here or there, um, including the first two against uh, Washington. And then... We all know how that series and playoff ended with Ovi getting his first cup in 2018. But, yeah, the Columbus Blue Jackets, I don't think they're a team that's even thinking playoffs. Like, can't, can they be? Well, I don't think so at all either. But then the problem is, and this is kind of the problem that the Sens had in the past, thank God that deferred fourth overall pick uh, went the way that it did. Otherwise, it'd be even more of an issue. But the Sens were rebuilding when they didn't have uh, any picks in the in the cupboard. So if you're Columbus, you don't want to just tank fully either because you don't have two of your second round picks for the next draft. So They also don't have their third either. Yeah, they, they really clean the cupboards. And you know what? It's a tough move, but I do respect the move of their GM going all in when they thought they had a chance to take advantage. But maybe he paid a little bit too much and mortgaged their future a little bit too much. I don't know how they're going to bounce back from this. And it's going to be a rough, five. I would say, three to five years if you're a fan of the Columbus Blue Jackets, which we know there's lots of them. Well, yeah. We hope that that continues on Saturday afternoon 
with the Sens laying a nice little beat down there. Hey, we should mention as well, we didn't even talk about Shabbat. I mean, he, he had a tough time on that uh, overtime goal, uh, kind of calling for Brady to take the the shot, and he was going to get the pass, and then he kind of just stood in no man's land. But he also had his 100th career assist on Brady's goal. You know, he's got 10 points in his last 13 games, and including the struggle on the power play. I think that's even more impressive but what he's been doing at even strength. You know, he leads the NHL in even strength time on ice per game, and he's up there with some big hitters. I wasn't, I was actually shocked to see Shira. Shirat? How do you even say it? Shirat? I'll just say it as though I'm a Montreal Canadian. The guy who scored the game winner last night? Exactly. Well, he's third in the league in even strength time wow. on ice per game, but Ekblad second, Klingberg's fourth, Pareko fifth. So he's up there with some veteran big names. So. We got to mention that for uh, for Shabbat stick taps on a hundred career assists. That's a hundred NHL assists, a hundred and five pro assists because he did have the five with Belleville where he played thirteen games. Those Belleville Senators had a full week off, almost six days since their seven one win over the Cleveland Monsters, and they'll have an opportunity to extend this hot streak they're on. On Friday, we'll be at the game, both of us working it in the production crew. And what are you expecting here? Rockford's coming in pretty hot. Yeah, well, like you said, Ross, uh, Belleville's just been on a tear, winning six of their last seven games. And the only game they lost was that god-awful 6-2 loss to the Cleveland Monsters. Speaking of the Columbus Blue Jackets, that's their AHL affiliate. And that was on the first game of the back-to-back. But they bounced back in a massive way, beating them 7-1 the very next day. I expect Belleville to just keep chugging along. I mean, Bell Vegas is a wagon. They've got the guys down there uh, that can produce in Batherson, Balsers, Norris, Formanton, now Schlappick's down there. So they have the offensive firepower. And it seems like the goaltending's picked up too, even with Hogberg being up in the NHL with Andy being out and Gustafson and Decord. I think Hogberg moving up really helped Gustafson get some confidence and realize, okay, now I've got to be the number one guy, at least for a short period of time. I've got to step it up, and he's stepped it up recently. So I think Belleville, they should be able to beat this Rockford team. But Rockford, they've been hot too. They've won five of their last six games, but most of those have been at home. So we'll see how they do on the road in a tough barn at the CAA Arena in Belleville. Our friend of the show, too, Dave Foote, has his own podcast as well um, where he looks around the AHL. You can go to App Footy on the air and, and find it there. But they had Troy Mann, Belleville head coach, on the show. And he put it to the fans here. He said, you guys need to show up a little bit more. And I tend to agree. There's so many exciting young players on this Belleville team. Support them. And then 10 years down the road when they're lighting it up in the NHL, you can be like, man, I was there with the start of his career. I love telling people that I saw Sidney Crosby play as a 16-year-old uh, when he was coming through uh, Gatineau uh, in the Quebec League. You know, you always think of those players down the road and, and to be able to watch them grow. It's such a good opportunity, super affordable, and um, not because we wear the, the B in the, with the, the S-T-A-F-F uh, lettering <laughs> underneath it. That we're, that we're saying this. Like, it's great hockey. It's entertaining. Maybe a couple more mistakes than you'd see at the NHL level causing offense. So get out there and support the uh, the boys here because, uh, like Pillar mentioned, they're, they're going to extend a win streak here. 
Yeah, and Ross, we'll be a lucky pair of people that can say we worked for the Belleville Senators when they won the 2020 Calder Cup Championship. So that's going to be great to look back in the memories. And speaking of uh, guys that are doing really well in Belleville, Batherson, he still is the leader in the entire American Hockey League in points. He's tied with Reed Boucher now with 31 points, but he just keeps to keep moving on. And our boy Balsers, 15 points in 10 games. So... Like Ross said, if you're a fan of the Belleville Senators, I mean, we make the drive every uh, couple times a month to go to the games. It's well worth the drive. It's a great barn. The team is absolutely buzzing. And especially if you're there on a night where they're re- wearing those red jerseys, you got to be there. It's, it's great hockey, great show, and well-produced, if I do say so myself. The camera and replay are on point. Well, okay, we can't just be positive I, I'm gonna have to. I have a gripe. I'm not not a fan of the red jerseys. Really? Why? Yeah, I think the uh, the font on it, the white on the back, is is a bit jarring with the with the white stripe. I think that the the black and the white ones are just fine. I don't think they needed it. All right. Well, I mean, that's that. I guess. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> My apologies. I'm actually not sorry at all. But I wanted to talk about those young players we mentioned and like we've gone over the stats all week because they haven't actually ha- had a game so it'll be exciting to see them and we should mention we're going to record Sunday hopefully early in the morning. I'm rattled. I'm not going to be able to make the game here in Toronto in the heart of enemy territory when they play the Marlies here on on Sunday coming up. But hey, between you and me, don't tell anybody this, but we've been giving away tickets on Leafs Lunch, a show I produce on uh, on TSN Radio. I know, I know the Leafs, but uh, we've been giving away tickets this game, and when they call in, um, I pick the winner, and I've asked each guy, I was like, so you're cheering for Belleville, right? And I get, like, the weirdest replies. It's, it's, <laughs> it's been funny, though. But, yeah, so not only is it a big game on Saturday, or Friday, rather, but on Sunday, the second half of the weekend, against the Marlies, first place in the North Division, and you know that those two teams always put on a show. What pops into head right away is Mike Condon last year, his only AHL game, gave up six goals, got the win. Um, that means and then it was that, never I, seen again. I think Drake had four points that game, maybe even five. He just absolutely destroys the Marlies. So, I mean, this is a big weekend for them, and these guys are earning call-ups. There's some, there's some guys in the NHL, and what I think DJ Smith is doing is kind of creating a ro- rotation a little bit. We're seeing guys get in and out of the lineup in terms of games played. Now, there are some exceptions, and if you play well, you'll make the team, like Nick Paul. He's an Ottawa Senator now, 27 games played. But there's a group of guys here around the 20 games, Mark, where a decision's made of whether they need to go back to the minors. And Logan Brown is at 17 right now, whereas the two guys with more games who I'm looking at, Eric Brandstrom at 23 and Philip Schlappick at 18, those guys, a decision was made on them that it's time to go back for a little more seasoning. J.C. Bode, same thing, 15 games. And I liked what I saw. Of course, there's guys who are still lower on, but they're working their way up. What I'm almost surprised at, but not really, is Drake Batherson. Only two NHL games. You think that he's earned a bit more of a sniff, or do you want to keep him down here into the new year? Well, I actually like uh, it's frustrating, especially being in Belleville and watching guys like Batherson and Balser just light it up. And uh, when we recorded after Balser's first game back, Ross, both of us declared pretty confidently that we'd never see Rudolph Balsers in a Belleville uniform again. I mean, he's still playing in Belleville, so we were wrong on that one. But 
I, I kind of like the notion that the Sens organization is thinking they don't want to bring guys like that up into the NHL lineup for a few games, then send them back down, then call them back up and kind of have them moving around. They want them to continue to grow and have success in Belleville. And when they get called up to the NHL, they're likely going to stay there. And I don't mind that at all because once Batherson and Balsters are ready to get that call up in the NHL, I don't want to see them back in Belleville. I want it to be a for sure thing because there's so many other guys like uh, you ratted off a couple, Schlappick, uh, Bodan, Davidson, guys like that that I think can get a sniff in the NHL, see what they got there, and then send back down, and it's not a big deal. So I actually like that they're holding and waiting for ball, uh, Balsers and Batherson to get called up. And I think, as we mentioned before, it's all probably going to come down to that trade deadline day when roster spots start opening up. That's when you'll see the real push for those guys to make it known that they want to be in the NHL and they deserve to, and that they can stay there. When they get called up, they take the 401, the road to Ottawa. Um, it's an interesting idea to start from center ice, though, when you make the drive. That's what uh, Parker Kelly had to do. Not that he got called up, but he found his car on the ice at the CAA Arena in Belleville. Great content coming out of the Belleville Senators Twitter account. Uh, just playing some... I guess rookie hazing. It's nice to see that uh, it's not dead. It's just changed um, because that's just priceless. The look on their face saying, hey, like, were you sleeping when you got to the rink this morning? But, of course, the boy's having a good laugh at his expense. So well, got to love, love that. We know uh, personally going into there, they seem to change up the parking uh, lots where people can park and the parking security. They're real sticklers. So yep. they must have forced them uh, to go right through the doors and said, yeah, Parker, this is your spot today. And he just didn't realize he parked right in the middle of center ice. So, yeah, that was just hilarious to see. And uh, I would have loved to see his face when he had to start it up and drive back out of there, too. That That's just hilarious. Absolutely. A couple notes before we go. Jacob Bernard Docker will be on the top unit for Team Canada uh, when they play their last meeting against the U Sports team. So I think everything we've we've come to learn here, and also that he was a final cut on defense for last year's team. I think you can be sure that the Ottawa Senators will have a prospect on Team Canada at the World Juniors. How exciting is that? I know you get into the tournament every year. Yeah, you got to love JBD uh, slotting in there. And he's one of the guys that you're going to look for uh, uh, him along with Brandstrom and Lassie Thompson now to be kind of cornerstones uh, defensemen for the Senators in the future. So I can't wait to be watching JBD come Boxing Day and New Year's uh, donning that Canadian jersey. Exciting times ahead. That's it for us on the Locked On Senators podcast. That's Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. As we've discussed, up next for the Senators on Saturday afternoon, home to Columbus. Up next for Belleville, at home to Rockford on Friday night. We'll be back on Sunday to break all that down, and we're going to update the poll. So have your say at Send Central on Twitter. Will Brady Kachuk finish the season with more hits or shots on goal? He's tied with 122 in both right now. Go Sens, go. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you on Sunday.